0: Let's be turning to 1 Samuel, chapter 2, and as you came in today, hopefully you got a lesson. Anybody need a lesson? You did not get one? We've got a couple back here that need them. and um, Also, an invite to, uh, we're having a class activity this coming Friday, Lord willing, at our house, and so there's an invite there With that, be sure you get one of those. You're well invited to come as long as you're 50 or older. Pastor Weiss is not invited, but he can sit in our class and audit it today. So, (laughs) all right, Um, we've been talking about the corruption of the priesthood, the corruption of Eli's sons, and you know, the way that they have abused the people, the way that they have uh, tried to benefit personally off of their role as priests, and it's a very serious time, and I, I wanted to take the time to kind of really focus in on that because we do, there's such a contrast between the way things have been and the way things are going to be, is at least as far as the leadership, and that is with the arrival the birth of Samuel, which we'll cover soon. But, but you know, when you think about the the priesthood, the, those descendants of Aaron who ministered in the tabernacle, this was not the only time, you know, that they had issues. You, you'll find this throughout the scripture. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, that famous passage in Ezekiel 20 where it says, I sought for a man among them that will make up the hedge for them, and I found none. But it talks about the... About the corruption of the priests, and so here they, these were people. They would, they did not, they were not called individually to the priesthood. They they were placed in that because of their relationship to Aaron, descendants of Aaron. So, so we're going to look at this again in First Samuel chapter two, and let's begin reading in verse twenty-two, where it says, "Now Eli was very old, and." We don't know how old, very old was, but we do know that if you look in chapter 4 and verse 15, to a couple of pages over, this is right before Eli's death. He was 98 years old, and his eyes were dim. We can really relate to that, that he could not see. It doesn't say this, but he probably had ears that could not hear either, so we can relate to some of his problems. But, so he's an old man and in our text here in 1 Samuel 2. Verse 22, now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. So what was happening was not in secret. He was hearing about this from other people. One has to wonder why he had to hear it from somebody else, why he couldn't see it with his own eyes. But anyway, he was very old. He heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So this adds another layer to their sins. They were not, they were not just abusing the priesthood, taking more of the, the, the offerings than that they were supposed to, being abusive to people, taking what should have gone to God first. I mean, these are all, but, but along with that, they're living in immorality. Which, by the way, a person's character will show up in a lot of different ways and and this is what we're seeing here so they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation verse 23 and he said unto them Eli said unto them to his sons why do you such things so he's going to reprimand them for I hear of your evil do dealings by all this people. I'm hearing it by all this people. Nay, my sons, verse 24, for it is no good report that I hear. No one says anything good about you. It's all bad, it's all evil. You make the Lord's people to transgress. You're supposed to, you're a priest, you're priest and you're causing people influencing them to do wrong. Verse 25. If, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they, talking about his sons, hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. So let's talk about these verses together. And if you're looking at your notes, number one there, Eli reprimanded his sons. He, he verbally reproved them, rebuked them. Honestly, it was probably, it was definitely too little, and it was probably too little too late. But he reprimanded his sons. As we said, he was very old. And be there under one. He had been told how the sins of his sons had hurt many. It's, it's, he heard this. this they're, it's like they're toxic. It's like their testimony is damaging to others. And they were guilty of this immoral activity. And it says, with women at the tabernacle. Now that doesn't mean that it necessarily happened at the door of the tabernacle. And I referenced a verse there in Exodus where women were involved in various things having to do with the worship and tabernacle. But whatever it was, it was not good. This was a very, very corrupt and evil day and a sad day there in Shiloh. So D there, he confronted his sons... And he reproved them, but he took no corrective action or removed them from their positions. You know, it's, it's obvious, I think, as we look at this passage, you know, we, on one hand we say, well, at least he confronted them, but, but it wasn't a strong confrontation. It was a silly question, really, why are you doing this? Well, they were doing this because they were carnal and evil. That's why they were doing it. And he really did nothing to stop it. And and as we said there in uh, E there, their behavior was causing God's people to sin. And so it's just a horrible thing. And God's going to deal with it. And the reason God's going to deal with it is because Eli won't deal with it. You know, if Eli would have dealt with it, then it could have been probably a better outcome. So F there, from verse 25... Eli showed to them, one of their sons, to see that their sin was really against God. And he said this in verse 25, If one man sin against another, the, the, the judge shall judge him. If you've got two people and they've got a conflict, there's a, there's a contention, then you can take them to someone and that judge will make a sentence. The judge will give a sentence. They will give an answer. They will determine what's right and wrong. But then he says in verse 25, If a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? In other words, if you're sinning against God, then who's going to make the judgment? And the answer is God's going to make the judgment. God's going to deal with it. And um, and these sins were against God. I mean, this was not just—it's one thing. It'd be one thing for a man to have commit an adulterous act with someone in the community or whatever. But when you're doing things, stealing, basically taking the offering that doesn't belong to you, when you're doing these things, abusing people verbally, bullying people, and then right there, near there, you're engaged in this immoral activity, um, that's, that's, to me, much, much worse. And, and any kind of sin is sin, but this is much worse. It's just vile, and it's ungodly, and it's going on, and it's being offensive to people. So last part of verse 25, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father because the Lord would slay them. So the sons ignored their father's reproof. They didn't listen to him. And again, this is nothing new. You know, when Lot tried to talk to his sons-in-law about God's going God's to gonna judge us, God, you know, God's going to judge the activity they just mocked at him. They, they did not respect him. He had, they'd lost the respect of their father. Here again, these sons were so full of themselves, they couldn't respect their father. So it's a dark time. Now again, historically, it's good to know this. These are things are in the Bible that we would know them. God wants us to know this kind of activity was going on. But one of the reasons we like to look at it is because we see the need for a drastic change in the leadership in Israel and that is that God's gonna judge Eli and his sons and all the while this is going on again I, I've said this before but we see the really the the providence of God that God has a young man who's being prepared that will give some sanity and clarity and godliness to leadership in the nation of Israel And his name is Samuel and so this is the way God works Sometimes things don't go the way even that God would want them to go. But it doesn't stop God from working. God will raise up someone else. And that's what we're going to see here in just a moment in this passage. So God's going to kill them uh, for their actions. And just a, re- a reminder there, the last part under one there, I that the sons of Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu were also killed for misusing the office of the priest. And let's let's look at that quickly over in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 3 and um, verse 4. It says, And Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children and eleazar and ithamar ministered in the priest's office in the side of aaron their father so aaron had four sons nadab abihu eleazar and ithamar these are descendants of aaron and two of those sons who had no children were killed because they offered strange fire again when you're tampering with the worship of god 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 deals with that god God takes that very seriously. And by the way, we ought to take seriously, you know, God's work being done God's way. So then, if we're back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, in, uh, in verse 26, we have this verse inserted that gives us the other side of what's going on in Shiloh. 1 Samuel 2, 26, and the child Samuel grew on, he's growing, he's maturing and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Not only was not only was he pleasing the Lord and dedicated to the Lord and serving the Lord, but others men could see it. He was growing in faith. by the way, there's a reference there to that passage in Luke where it says similar things about Jesus as he was growing as a child, increasing with in favor with God and men. And so here's one, you know, one on one side of the coin we see Eli and the corruption and the sin. On the other side of the coin we see that God is raising up someone, who will, who will be, um, a godly presence. So, so then, then verse 27, uh, the attention shifts back is on Eli and his sons. Then to, then to Samuel, back to Eli and his sons. And verse 27, if you look there. And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Now this is so, so, again, interesting. It's just the way God works. We don't know the man's name. He was a prophet. Obviously, God used him. There came this, this uh, anonymous man of God with a message to Eli from the Lord. And... Uh, you know, we think, sometimes we think of prophets, we think of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and maybe Hosea or maybe um, Jonah or Joel. But in the Old Testament, there were many prophets that we, we don't know their names. I mean, at one time, when during Ahab's wicked reign, there was like a hundred of them that were being fed and nurtured and taken care of, and God had these people who would be his voice? Per, his voice, you know, when Elijah said, there are, uh, um, yeah, said so there's no no one like me. There's, you know, I'm the only one standing," and God says, "No, I've got thousands more out there somewhere," which is good, isn't it? God, God had these people. God dealt with them. Now we don't have those kind of prophets now prophets now proclaim what God has already said but in those days prophets would give a word from the Lord this is what God said and just so you know you know a lot of these uh, are some of these uh, I'd say charismatic type churches they'll have somebody stand up and give a prophecy thus saith the Lord God is God is not speaking extra biblical revelation to men God has already spoken to us through his word. And prophets today don't get a word from God into them individually. They speak the word from God that God has given us in his word. So, anyway, God raises, there's this prophet comes to Eli and says in verse 27 Did I, this is God speaking, did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Now, he's referring to Aaron, who was the, the, the priesthood would, would come through, and, and, and Aaron, who was a brother uh, to Moses. So he says, Did I plainly appear into the house of thy father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him, Aaron, out of all the tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi, tribes of Israel, to be my priest?" to offer upon mine altar to burn incense and all these things you could go back in the book of Exodus and look at where these things, these, the plan was laid out God's plan given through Moses, to offer upon mine altar to burn incense to wear an ephod before me and did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel, your family was able to Benefit from the sacrifices. I took care of your family in that way. Then verse 29. God is speaking. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Now, again, I just want to look in verse 29, and I just want to read through that, and I just want you to notice... The personal pronouns re- related to God. God is speaking. Look in verse 29. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice, these were my sacrifices, and at mine offering, which I've commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. And you know, God is not selfish. God is so generous and so benevolent. But what these, God is emphasizing here is you took my sacrifices, my offerings, and, and you've abused them. And so uh, God's judgment now is about to be, be announced, uh, if you're looking at your notes there and fill in the blanks. And so he reminds him that God had chosen them, and these people had abused their place of service and that verse there in verse uh, 30 where he says, or verse 29, and honorest thy sons above me. That's a very telling verse. You put your, God says you put your sons and their, their interests above me, which is not a, not a wise thing to do. Look in verse uh, 29 where it says that God... You know, God had chosen them. God wanted them to be in this place of service. And in verse 30, God intended it to be from now on. You know, look in verse 30. And the house of thy father should walk before me forever. God intended that this family continue, you know, to to be a part of his work, to be be serving in the priesthood. And yet because of his, because of, Eli's sin and his son's sins then God's going to God's going to disannul that promise now this is important thing to think about sometimes people think well you know if God says something God wants something to happen it always goes God's preferred way but the reality is there are a lot of things that God wants to happen but because of our sin they don't happen and that's exactly what here a four there near the bottom of the page Eli disqualified himself from from serving the Lord so God is going God is going to disannul this promise that he had made for Eli and his sons and uh, judgment is going to come verse uh, verse um, 30 31 behold the days come that I will cut off thine arm now that that phrase is not referring to his physical arm it's referring to his influence and his power you know, there's many verses. I give one in Isaiah, but there's many verses in the Bible where it talks about God's strong arm, God's right arm. I'll stretch forth my hand, and God says, "Well, I'm going to cut your arm off," which means I'm going to cut off your influence and your place of service. You've disqualified yourself. So either the arm often speaks of power or influence, and then He also says in that passage in verse 31 the arm of thy father's house that there shall not be an old man in thine house. Now I'm not c- completely sure I know what that, what that refers to and it's going to happen. But what exactly, how does that m- happen? I'm not sure, but I know part of the reason is because Eli is going to get killed and on the, or going to die and on the same day his two sons are going to be killed. So God's going to s- strictly judge, swiftly judge Eli and his family. And then he says in verse uh, 32, Thou shalt see an, habit, an enemy in my habitation. And again, this may be referring to the fact that the Philistines are about to defeat them. They're going to take the ark of the covenant, which is God's presence with them, and the sons are going to be killed. Verse 32 Thou shalt see an enemy in thy, my habitation, and all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man and then a house forever. Verse 33, And the man of thine, whom I shall uh, not cut off from thine altar, those who will live shall be to consume thine eyes, and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. Again, these children are going to die in their youth prematurely. Verse 34, And this shall be a sign unto thee. Here's the... Here's how you're gonna know, Eli, that this is true. That shall come upon thy son. A sign shall come under that thou shalt come upon thy two sons on Hophni and Phineas, and one day they shall die both of them. We'll cover that uh, in, a, in a few weeks. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to all that is in mine heart and in my mind. So he'll be replaced. Eli will be replaced, a faithful priest and I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before mine anointed forever and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house Eli, everyone that survives this judgment, everyone that lives, shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and shall say put me, I pray thee into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread there's too much in here to cover and there's some things that are just really not Completely clear, but uh, we know that his sons are going to be killed at the same time. And verse thirty-five, God's going to raise up a faithful priest. And if you're filling the blanks, that would serve God according to His will. Now, who's the, going to be this replacement priest? The one that's going to take take his place? And um, just here's some thoughts. Number one, Samuel, who was not a descendant of Aaron, he would not be in that. Priestly line, but he's going to function as a priest and a prophet, and he's going to be a faithful servant. But number two, if you read over in 1 Kings chapter 2, Solomon is going to remove uh, Abiathar, if you fill in the blanks there. Solomon removed Abiathar, who was a descendant of Eli. He was actually one of Eli's descendants. Solomon is going to remove him and install Zadok in his place. So basically, they're taking. Uh, the descendants of Eli and replacing them uh, with other priests. And another, uh, uh, talking about this faithful priest who will reign forever, there's another faithful priest coming too, and his name is Jesus, the high priest, who would be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so here again, God's, God's plan for Aaron and his sons would be that they would continuous priest, but because of Eli's sins and God's, God's plan is going to go forward. He'll raise up someone else. God is God can do that, and God is doing that. And uh, his descendants, number four, future priests would, would come to this future priest and beg for a place of service. So what a contrast there, number five, at the last of that section. Here Eli's family had lived, gorged themselves on the Sacrifice, fatten themselves with God's sacrifices, and now in the future His descendants will be begging for food. You know, which again, you know, just tells us that it just doesn't sin never pays. The way the transgressor is hard, and it may not just affect us, but it could affect those who come after us. You know, so. So let's just quickly think about the lessons we can learn from this that I think are very are, are worth our attention. First, number four it's just first of all, just because a person is aged or mature, someone's old, does not guarantee they're going to stay faithful. You know, he's an old man, but in his age, in his old uh, aged place, he 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 departed from any faithfulness he had. B. So that's that's another thing. Don't just take. Take it for granted because we're getting older that we're always just automatically going to be more faithful. No, we have, to, we have to be disciplined and dedicated and separated whatever place in life we are. B, Eli's sons reveal where unrestrained indulgence can lead into an ugly, vile place. I make a comment here because uh, you know, we, when we read this, we think about modern sex scandals even among churches in our own in our own lifetime and again it's bad people are people and people are going to make mistakes but the worst thing about it is when it's not reported it's not dealt with and that's the way it was in Eli's day you know there's just a cover up and and what a horrible thing even in church work that that uh, sin would be covered up see though God's Word puts a high priority on devotion to family the family should never take precedent over the will of the Lord we see in Eli He put his family before God and God's will. And that's, you know, we we ought to love our family. We ought to to try to raise our family right. But family never comes before God. That would be like making our family an idol. D, God is forbearing and merciful. But sometimes he determines that swift and severe judgment is necessary. God has deadlines. We can't see those deadlines, but God has them. And we ought, we ought to know that. Just because God is not dealing with something severely now does not mean God does not have a plan together and He's going to deal with it severely. And then finally, in these lessons, just practical thoughts, we see in Eli's family how it's possible for people to forfeit the blessing God wants them to have. God wanted Eli and his sons to continue to serve as priests. And I know see, again, people. I say, well, if God, if that was God's will, then, then uh, it's it's going to happen. You know, God's God's will is not always. You know, God's not willing that any should perish, and yet some people are going to go to hell because they don't, you know, because they don't receive Christ. They don't put their faith in God's plan. So here's here's a place where, you know, someone is disqualified from something that God wanted them to have. So. Any questions about the lesson or thoughts about it we have a few questions here at the bottom we can talk about but if you have any other questions I've kind of rushed through this but we covered a lot of territory today um, let's just think about these things first of all can you think of an example and this will be a personal thing maybe where you've struggled to maintain some spiritual discipline in your latter years you know and I would I would say we may not talk about it but it's common that, that maybe in our youth we, in our zeal, we did certain things. We served the Lord, and somehow in our, in our older years, we just sort of let our give ourselves a pass. Well, that's what Eli was doing. He was in his old, in his latter part of his life, he was becoming lenient and and undisciplined. Any thoughts about that? I think well, I, I, none of us want to confess our faults, but I'll tell you, uh, I have I have to work. As much today as any time in my life i'm you know 68 years old it, it's staying diligent and disciplined about what god we can't let our flesh tell us what's right and what's wrong we know what's right and wrong we need we have to obey the lord amen b can you remember others in the bible who disqualified themselves from a place of service which god had appointed for them my mind goes to king saul you know that God didn't want Israel to have a king but God chose Saul as the king the son of Kish and sent this very Samuel of course to go anoint him anoint him but Saul just kept making these you know foolish decisions and God said you're not gonna serve me as king and God had a a replacement for him and this happens it happens in life we can disqualify ourselves from places of service things that God wants us to do see share your thoughts on the challenge of being devoted to family while being faithful to God anybody have a thought about that A comment yes sir you can't speak here you're, you're not 50 yet you can't speak no <laughs> no go ahead That's good. And apparently he was somewhat detached because again he was it's clear he was hearing these reports of what his children were doing, and it doesn't say he was seeing it himself firsthand, you know. But it's 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 harder, you know, sometimes as as parents, it's harder for us to see the faults of our own kids when we maybe can see them in others, you know, and fail to discipline them like we should, but we need we need to be. Um, are there any, another thing that happens with with families is, you know, people. I, we, we're to love. I'll just talk about it as husbands. We're to love our wives, and we're to be a, a spiritual leader in a home. But sometimes in the Bible, when men who are leaders put their wives' desires before God's desires, we have tragedy. And that can happen. That's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. You know, Sarah said, well, why don't you do this? And what Abraham should have done was say, you know, that may seem reasonable, but we're not going to do this because this is not of God. But, but we have to, we always have to put God's will above our will, but God's will above our family even if, if, if it comes to that. Um, and then the last thing is, and I kind of referred to that just now, and that is what we can learn from Eli about the danger of being too lenient or permissive with children. You know, as parents, we don't want to be harsh with our kids. We, wanna, we don't want to provoke them to anger. We don't to love our children. But we've seen a lot of this in our life where parents, you know, let their children go on doing things they know are wrong and, and don't really intervene. And that's exactly what Eli did, you know. It's not, a, it's not a good thing. It's not easy. Being, being uh, Confronting things is not easy, but sometimes we have to do it, right? Because God puts us in the place that we're in, and Eli did not do that. So it's, it's a sad day in Israel's day.